Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damian Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my buddy and your buddy, all of our buddy, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how are you doing, bud? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've, I had a, a really fun weekend in New York. Um, nice. Doing, uh, <clears throat> I guess, something I'm not supposed to really talk about yet, but I will talk about it in the future. But it's definitely something that was very cool and uh, uh, very interesting. And this is something I should have talked to you about before, Chris. This is something I definitely should have filled you in before. But as I said, we'll have something in the debrief about this between you and me. Uh, <laughs> sure, yeah. But I did get an excuse to go to uh, Almost Ready Records in Brooklyn which nice. I had never been to before, but I'm a rabid follower of the Instagram and I picked up some singles and, uh, yeah, it was, it's a, it's a ridiculous store, Chris. I have not been, um, nor do I follow their stuff. I got to get on that. It's, if it's I had a good gram. It's definitely um, a lot of that, uh, that sweet, sweet punk record collecting, uh, pornography that we love. So the store is called what again? Almost Ready Records. Almost Ready Records. Yeah. Nice. And he put out, his, uh, he put out a cool new reissue. Well, go on, Chris. Go on, sorry. No, I was just going to say, because I always try to, when I when I go there, like in whatever work or the area, I always try to uh, hit up different spots if I can go to them. Anyway, go on. Uh, no, you put, and it, you know, it's, a, it's the same guy that did uh, Sing Sing Records. Okay, cool. You know that reissue label? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and but now he does almost ready records, which uh has put out uh, a brand new single by this band, the Trash Monkeys, which is the pre Harry Pussy punk band. So before I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with the band <laughs> nice. I know you're familiar with the band Harry Pussy, of course, Chris, but for listeners who aren't, they're a, yes. a very interesting band. Yeah. Um and uh but there there was a pre Harry Pussy kind of punk band that's Phenomenal! It is awesome. Cool. And it what never year came, is it? I, I guess it's like it must be. I, I, I he told me, and I don't, but I don't think it's got the date on it. Let me just quickly check if it has a year. I think it's it's early eighties, definitely. Maybe mid eighties. Saying but, here, Trash Monkeys. Yeah, released in twenty seventeen October. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. It doesn't have any. Uh, I don't have any deets in the actual. Go to compilations. The, they did some comp appearances, so maybe it'll say in the compilation appearances. Let me see here. It says Trust Monkeys, punk rock from Miami, Florida, and formed in '86. Okay, so late '80s. So, yeah, just trying to find compilations. Yeah, both of them was some kind of obviously reissue. Oh no, it's a. Weird killed by Florida man. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so it's like late mid to late eighties, yeah. Um a phenomenal uh release. Strongly recommend picking it up. Oh man, I want to get this tape with this trash monkey stuff on it. Oh. <laughs> anyway. I like how quickly we got into the to the deep dive already. Go on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, picked up some other records there. Uh recommend checking that store out if you are in the vicinity. It's in Red Hook, Brooklyn, so it's uh, a little bit f- further of a trek than 
unless you live in Red Hook, of course, but uh, then I had made before, so I used this t- TV show that I was th- doing as an excuse to go there. <laughs> nice. And then I got to go live out a fantasy, Chris. Live out a fantasy. What's I went, that? I went to the best show. Nice. In studio for the best show, and it was a dream come true. Uh, Pat, Dudio, uh, Mary uh, was also there as well, um, who uh, has a brand new tape. Uh, of course, Mary Houlihan. It's a very funny tape called Dream Phone. Strongly recommend picking it up. Uh, Tom Sharpling, of course, was there. AP Mike was there. And <laughs> it was like the fulfillment of 17 years of desire. So... Because I was actually, it was one of the times when I was with you in New York. Yes, uh, was when we when we went and did the live one, which of course he, uh, Tom, was on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, pre- previous to that, we went and did the uh, the other interview. How similar to the well, obviously the best show is its own thing, but how similar to the experience was what we what we did at the uh, the live one? Oh, very different. Like there, he, it's for like a. Like, obviously, we're all podcasts, but their level is, like, on another level. Like, it's going to, like, a professional recording studio, you know? Gotcha. Even at wind guards, like, spit guards on their mics. <laughs> so where they, um, is that, that's live, right? It doesn't It's not, like, pre-recorded things? No, or it's totally no? live, yeah. Um, and it gotcha. was, it, it's, it's amazing. Like, I was talking with a friend of mine just before we got on the phone to do this, Chris, and you got to think, like, you know, SNL has been going obviously a very long time, but there's different writing teams. There's they've taken breaks, but like Tom's been doing this show for you know 20 years almost now. You know, consistently, yep. like taking some time off here and there, but like fairly consistently. And him and John have been doing bits together for like weeks, for 20 years. It's <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to think. That's probably got to be very, one of the very funny. Friends. The thing I'll say about Tom Sharpling, having uh, doesn't know him, but has met you, um, I was aware of his show, obviously, aware of the best show, and even appearances he did on other things. But uh, in person, I find him to be like he's funny on the show, but he is hilarious in real life. I feel like oh, really, really funny guy. No, a very and, funny person. Uh, it comes across because he plays it. He plays it on the show very well. But even just he's just a very naturally funny kind of uh, curmudgeon type. It's great. I love it. Mm-hmm. Very funny guy, and it was uh, an amazing experience. I really, you know, I will cherish that forever. Um, got to finally get some rare best show vinyl that I've been looking for. I had a really great trip. It was a really fun time um, going down to New York City. Um, very briefly, I think I was there for like yep. twenty four hours in total. But well, it was twenty four. That was forty eight. But yeah, cool. Uh, I mean, it was forty eight in total. But uh, and how about you? You went to a show last week. Mm-hmm. I was in your fair city and went to go see uh, a traveling punk rock group known as Cadaver Dog from Denver, and uh, they were excellent. And I'm trying to think who else was on the show. Um, a couple locals, I cannot pronounce one of their names uh, for the life of me. I feel bad. Um, 
And yeah, anyway, it was a good show. But Cadaver Dog was the the band I went to see. Awesome. And uh, they were great. Yeah. And they, they're it's they have a record on Youth Attack. I highly recommend it. Go check it out. It just came out. It's called Dying Breed. Yeah. So I don't know. Another like you know show. Uh, I was yeah. I had it off, which is a rarity. Lately, my uh, my days are wanting for when I can go do things socially. So it uh, it lined up nicely. Oh, that worked out well. I'm glad. I'm sorry I didn't get to see you when you were in town. But <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, you called me, or I called you. Called me when I was in town. I called That's you, right. yeah, to see what you were doing, and you were like, oh, "I'm in town," and I'm like, "Oh, I'm leaving." It's actually, yeah. I was right by your house too. That's why it was funny when you called me. Yeah, and I thought, "Oh, sweet, we'll hang." Like, I'm in wherever. I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was like two shifts passing the night again, Chris. Yeah, that's fine. Thank God we have we'll, this podcast. Uh, of course yeah that does help the communication for sure definitely definitely well i guess we should dive into today's episode right yeah man okay let's start her off first of all you didn't do your plugs yet i don't think did you oh well if you want to get in touch with me you can find me on various forms of social media at left for damien if you would like to support this show the best way to do that is by subscribing to it on itunes writing a review and rating it and uh, if you would like to uh, uh, send an email to the show, the uh, the how do they do that, Chris? To the, this show here. This show here. It's turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. But as well, Damien, you also have well, we'll your just main plug, one. Wait, let's the, not confuse them now. Let's just plug that one. Okay, on this okay. Show. All right. Turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. There you go. And if you would like to follow us on Facebook, there's a Facebook page run by my brother and show producer, Tristan Abraham, and he will uh, get the messages to us, and we can communicate that way. Um, but I think uh, – sure. I guess that's it. Should we dive into today's show? Is there news off the top, Chris? Uh, not – there's nothing that came across my – uh, desk, so to speak, but I haven't really been connected much lately, so I don't, I don't know if there's anything you know about, but offhand, I can't think of anything right now. Well, at the risk of forgetting anything, let's forget everything. Okay. Not, Sounds good. You have a... We'll get to it if we don't get to it today. We'll get to it next week or whatever as well, so it's not a big Yeah, thing. exactly. We'll get to it. We're going to keep yeah. this one a little bit brief because it is late, and Chris and I both have uh, long days behind us now. And uh, oh wait, but you could be listening to this in the morning. So like we have long days ahead of us now. If you're listening to this, in the morning. <laughs> yes. Or if you're listening in the middle of the day, we're in the middle of long days. And uh, we uh, so we'll keep this a little bit shorter. We're going to keep the mailbag to just a couple messages, uh, and then we'll move on to uh, what I'm going to say right now is looking like the most uh, popular episode ever of Turned Out a Punk. Oh yeah, really? It's already. Have you have you been able to verify that? 100%? Well, it's, it's def, it, it, it charted <laughs> like it charted actually in like the iTunes charts very high, like broke the top nice. ten and stuff. And it was doing. Uh, it had uh, some. Yeah, like it. It was very popular with people wanting to check this out. Obviously, you know, he's a very popular actor, so that makes complete sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would also say this is one of the best episodes, even if Jack. Had only ever, uh, you know, just sung a song on a Probot record. And that was his only credit. You know, this is, he's a really fun person to talk to. And this was a really fun episode. 
I agree. It was a great listen. I've always been amused by him, so I was very excited to hear what you were going to be able to pull out of him as far as the punk thing was concerned. Well, we got more evidence to get to today because I think uh, <laughs> I, I think there's going to be more stuff to, to dissect today because there's uh, yeah there's there's more evidence anyway. But let's get to I think we have another email to get to off the top, right, Chris? Yeah. So first email here related to the episode. Uh, this oh, let's let's, let's do the other email first, right? Because the other email is not related to the episode. The other email is regards to the um, uh, the you caring, uh, whatever you want to call it, the, uh, the posting. Um, I don't know how to phrase that. That's the other email. Yeah, let's, let's so do that, that one first. One that yeah, sure thing. So uh, a listener wrote in. I got it here. I was trying to find the original email. Pardon me. I was queued up for the other one. That's oh, why sorry I'm a lot no, I, meant to, I was thinking we could just do that. And no, that's all right. Go right in the app. Yeah, so a listener wrote in. Well, you I'm trying to find who sent you originally. Is it your brother or someone else? Not someone who wrote in with this. The Facebook. Well, anyway, Tristan wrote in. But it's um, someone here uh, wrote in and sent it to Tristan. I believe initially it forwarded it our way. But uh, uh, someone named Deb Inglis, uh, who is not well apparently, but she used to do a zine called Corpus, and uh, there is currently a you caring um, uh, link up, and I'll try to find the info for it right now. I had it queued up. Here we go, and it is listed here. Let me see. And it's basically uh, friends and uh, people who. Well, friends of you know of various sources, um, they want to raise money for her in this troubled time. They're fairly close. Um, there's four days remaining on it as of this. You're putting this up, I believe, on Friday, right? Yeah. Okay, so there will be uh, four days left remaining once this goes up, and they're about seven hundred dollars, six hundred dollars, pardon me, from their goal, just shy, and uh, essentially they want to. Um, make a limited run of a seven-inch record that will be uh, by a group called Bad Breed, and then it somehow the profits would go along to helping uh, with any contribution to, to her ailment, what have you. And that's uh, the actual link for it. I'm just trying to find if I can find one that's a little less convoluted. But anyway, it's youcaring.com backslash C-A-M-H hyphen one one two one zero four five. But if you were to search donate to C A M H with the Deb English tribute record, it's calling. And that was the uh the, the other email that we had. Okay, excellent. Okay, so uh yeah check I think Tristan's gonna probably post that on the Facebook as well. Um yeah. if you want to check that out over there if you're a Facebook user and if not, we also have a Tumblr page, turnitupunk.tumblr.com, so I'm sure it'll be cross posted hopefully. Um and uh yeah, and if you uh, so, please send in some emails to us because uh, we we do enjoy getting emails on the show. But as we said, we're keeping it shorter this week. So now we're going to get into the email that does pertain to the Jack Black episode. First of all, I guess we should tee this episode up. Um, Jack is uh, you know someone I got to meet on that Foo Fighters tour that we did with Fucked Up in two thousand eight. I guess it was a little later, two thousand nine. Maybe 10. 
Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I can't try to remember, but anyway, he was a uh, he, he was super cool. He was amazing to us on that tour. A real friendly guy, very welcoming. Like was like on the first day, like, hey, if there's any time you want to come to our dressing room and get something, please do, because we had a good rider on that tour. It wasn't like the Foo Fighters didn't take care of us, but we didn't realize you could put like ridiculous shit on your rider that they would import from other countries for you. Like, you know, surprisingly, uh, root beer was not easy to find in Australia. But they were importing root beer for Tenacious D because it was on their rider from Malaysia. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they had, so they had root beer. They had like all sorts of crazy stuff on their rider and it was, and they were just like, yeah, take it whatever you want. So they were, he was super cool, very, you know, welcoming to us and things like that. And, you know, but once again, straight up lied to me about not being in a punk, you know? And... <laughs> And that never sat right with me because if there's one thing I've come to learn is that, you know, most people that are doing something cool now had at least a dabbling in a punk period. That's your, well, that's the overall theme of the show. That's the thesis, right? Yeah. So, so it never really sat right with me that Jack was not a punk, as he said, or never into punk music and was like only like in a metal and, you know. And then indie stuff, you know, especially if someone's in indie stuff and metal, like there has to be a punk period to bridge that gap, I think. Well, I think maybe his concern, I don't know about in person, but as of the interview would at least tell is that it was more of a, um, you know, I cannot speak for him, but I would, I would say that it's more his concern that he doesn't want to say that he is yeah. out of fear of it appearing like he doesn't know enough. It's almost like he doesn't feel like he knows enough or whatever to to claim that title so to speak that's the impression i got anyway that's definitely true and i get that from a lot of people that uh i approach to come on the show you know and you know but i think that's like because no one knows enough you know like there's they're like like there's shit that nardwar doesn't know that chris minicucci knows and i'm sure there's shit that that chris minicucci doesn't know that nardwar knows you know and i'm sure there's stuff that like you know, like random Mr. Gazame that I follow on Instagram who posts ridiculously sick Mexican punk videos knows that neither of those two know. Like, that's the thing is about punk. It's just like everyone's experience is so unique to them. And that's why I think I love doing these interviews is because everyone's experience is so unique to them. So everyone's story is going to be different. And I think even if you had just like a short window listening to this music, it does affect you, you know, and it, I, I, well, it affected me, and I think it affects most people that I know. Definitely affected Jack. Yeah, well, I, th- I agree. I think you kind of pulled that out of him. I, I just That's my only assumption based on what he so, kind of mm-hmm. says in the interview with you. But I don't know why in person he wouldn't have been more forthright. Who knows? That's funny, though. Yeah, no, he was – he was. Uh, but he's funny. He's funny, and I'm glad it worked out this way because it led to this episode and – Nice. Man, what a payoff this was for me. Uh, So I think we should uh, dive into this episode, Chris. Um, I think we should save the email till we get to that point, which I think we'll definitely get. Okay, sure thing. Um, Sounds good. I was going to say, though, we we did get an email from one of our contributors about this episode, Mr. David Up. Um, And... Uh, but I don't think there's anything he offers to get into as a nope. So why don't we just start 
with yourself. Um, All right. Talking point, you mean, on the episode is what you're saying? Yeah, grab, yeah, grab, sorry, that made no sense at all because I'm trying to look at this email <laughs> while I'm trying to communicate to you. That's uh, all right. Can you, yeah, why don't you uh, pick your talking point that you want to start off with? Chris? Okay, so let's try. And the obvious one is to talk about Devo, but I'm going to try and pick one. We will go there. Yeah. But I, uh, I'm going to try and pick something a little. Well, why don't we go Devo first? Because that's like the center f- to start. Well, wait, all right. Wait. Because it's chronological okay. and through the episode and like, you know, there's no point okay. in avoiding sure thing. unless unless you do want to go to something else before Devo. No, it's fine. Devo is good. We can start at Devo. Uh, so I do. So regarding Devo, <laughs> I love that he loves Devo, of course. Devo are excellent. Um, the one funny thing I'm looking at here when I'm gazing at the resource, I didn't realize they had an alias called the Wipeouters. Oh, I didn't Which know I that think is funny. Ultra alias, yeah. Just looking here to see if it's like actually a thing. Weird. It's like these appearances. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Devo. So the record, I can't remember if he, what record did he actually cite in the interview? I can't remember. Uh, Freedom did he of even Choice. Cite a record? Oh, he did. That's right. Because his, his brother, right, he said worked on that? Yeah, his of brother the, came up with the whip the, sound on Whip It. The Whip It sound. Well, there we go. Yeah, so... Which in and of itself is an insane, kind of amazing little tidbit for the show, I think. <laughs> um, because as people, I think most people know that song, but most people sort of of our ilk. Um, although, of course, it is their, you know, big song or what have you. Mm-hmm. But it's it's highly memorable. And that part of the song is quite and does, you know, in a way make the song. So it is kind of funny that he knows or whatever was aware of that. And I think that's a, an amazing intro point. For like an early, I don't know if it was his first concert, did he say? Or it was definitely an early concert. His first concert, I think he said. That's crazy. So yeah, anyway, great record. Yeah. (laughs) It was just wild. Um, But yeah, so Freedom of Choice, uh, great record. Used to see it all the time in the heyday at uh, lovely like uh, flea market things. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen them come up so much lately. um, Yeah, I don't know what to talk about with Diva. They're amazing. Uh, I think I are think, we not man? I think there's great record. I think there's like one of those bands that doesn't get enough. Like I don't know, get enough credit. They definitely get credit for their innovation and things like that. But just like their level of cynicism and their level of just like, you know, like Devo wasn't trying to make fun music. They were almost like trying to make anti people music. And it just I happened. agree. People uh, just were able to dance to it. <laughs> well, I think that's what's funny in hindsight now is that people would not, or or they don't like if you. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The disassociation based on the perception of Devo is different than the actuality in the moment, at least. Mm-hmm. And even just the idea that like Devo was even such a cultural phenomenon in the early years that that was like an, a, a ridicule. Like mm-hmm. an insult for people call, calling weird people devos. Devo. Because the, yeah. Yeah. Because the assumption was that it's just like a weirdo into, you know, this silly nonsense or whatever. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think their cynicism is something that I find uh, really, really intriguing and commendable. Uh, you no, know, yeah. They're like one of those bands that, ah, they're just like, I don't know, so cool. Like, that Hardcore Devo compilation series is amazing. There's two volumes, and then there's like a live volume from that kind of era 
of stuff that Ryko put out. You can hear all this shit on the internet now, though, so it's out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like it's they were really ahead of the game, you know, and it's it, it's it's still like shocking, like to think that they just like came out of seemingly nowhere, you know, like there's nothing that really sounds like them. Like, you know, it's so much, it's so much more, I don't know, it's like different than that Euro, like, you know, Krautrock stuff that was happening or like craft work. Like it's, it's got like, it comes from a different place. Yeah. I think there's, for me, there's more life to it as well. Not to throw any shade. I love craft, but it's not as, um, like like they knew what they were doing, but it's I don't know. Again, it's craft work for me. To me, doesn't have that like punk sensibility. It's mm-hmm. not to say it's worse, but whereas Devo really kind of to me always kind of did. I think the aesthetic, even that Devo aesthetic, as bizarre as it is, especially to kind of now we know of a world post that aesthetic. So there, it's there's references to it, but for that to come out in '78 or whatever it was or earlier, you know, it's kind of a a wild thing to do. And I think that is in league with like a proper weirdo band that's like really doesn't care and really wants to do what they want to do. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And like anyway, I don't know. I don't. Have you watched that movie ever? Which movie? The, the Doc? Devo. No, the Devo uh, things they used to make the the videos they used to show. The Buju Boy. What's it called? No, never seen it. It's it's really disturbing. It's like a racerhead kind of vibes. Oh yeah, yeah. Because he's well, you, is it what he was describing was accompanying them live at the time? Is yeah, that what? yeah. And you can find it. It was on. They released it as a video back in the day, and then there were like bootlegs floating around. We used to have a bootleg out of the video store I worked at. Let's see what's here. What is it? It's no. I'm just trying to find it. Maybe men who devolution men. No, that's all. Oh, no, I'm trying to find. It's on. Weird. I wonder. I wonder if it's on this. If they say what's on these? No, these are just like live tapes and stuff. Uh, Weird. Yeah, I haven't seen it though. Yeah, the complete truth about de-evolution. I think that's the uh, the name of it. And I think these are the DVDs that have it all on there. Anyway, I'm probably getting this all wrong. Someone's gonna like write in and be like, "You got it all fucking wrong." <laughs> anyway, if anyone knows, but yeah, I'm trying to find complete truth about devolution is what you think. Yeah, from '93. Yeah, that's got huh. other. It's just like a compilation of two other tapes. Um, Weird. Anyway, either way, if anyone knows, let us know right in and uh, chastise us for being terrible at that. Yeah, reference. Exactly. Yeah, but it, um, it, um, but yeah, no, I think that's like. You know, once again, it's like it's amazing how people are some of their influences and stuff like that. But like, given how zany and weird Zach's sense of humor, Zach, sorry, <laughs> Jack's uh, sense of humor <laughs> yep. is, and and uh, you know, it makes sense that he, uh, you know, Diva would be his entry point. Well, I think it's just kind of fitting though that it wasn't like. You know, and almost in a way wasn't his doing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think that makes it more interesting. It makes me wonder if the Devo influence like seeped into his brain and made him the, you know, the comedic powerhouse that he is, or whatever. Yeah, no, definitely. Like it, it's it's amazing how, you know, even that story that he's telling you about, like you know, you can tell he's got that mind picking up like comic details, like 
that story about the guys breaking into his locker to steal the Devo record. <laughs> that was really funny. Him talking about like uh, <laughs> falsifying the signatures yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, really clever. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, next point that uh, I guess would be my turn or I kind of stole your point there, Chris. So if you want to go to your yeah, go, whatever. Um, um, let me see what we got. Well, I'm just trying to pull from something here. Uh, let's just shout out briefly on his journey. Ozzy Osbourne, Blizzard of Oz is a great record. Mm-hmm. So I was feeling, feeling that for sure. I'll, that um, Mr. Crowley song is probably my favorite song on that record that I put on the, oh, by the way, I should plug this. There are Spotify playlists that I make for each of these episodes, including this yep. episode that are up there. And uh, I put Mr. Crowley on as the Ozzy Osbourne song, and it is fucking sick. It is a great song. There is some other controversial, one controversial song on that record, too. <clears throat> Which isn't really that controversial when you, when you actually like listen to the lyrics and read the lyrics. No, it's not. But it was, it was, a, it was a focus of some controversy, is yes. I guess what I should say. Um, for a time. Anyway, great record if you don't know it for the metalheads or whatever. Not not a deep cut, but great record nonetheless. Um, the point I'm going to bring up, I believe, because most most first and foremost, I know it will annoy Dave Martin to no end. Um, as much as we love him, and I don't understand why he doesn't like this group, but I'm pretty positive. But uh, I loved all the Frank Black talk on this episode. And yeah. all of the shout-outs and love for Frank Black. I mean, of course, related to the Pixies, but um, the part where you two start kind of gushing about how great his solo records are is immensely accurate. And I thought it was very apt that he said that the Breeders even got more love than the Frank Black solo stuff. And agree. And uh, I don't think that's correct. So, in honor of that... Um, yeah, I think we should just give uh, a little talk regarding Frank Black solo, if I you're would, down. I wouldn't say this. I would go a step further than you. I'd say Frank Black solo stuff is way better than all the Pixies catalog to me. <laughs> of course, you have the contrary opinion. Um, yeah, it's Pixies difficult. records, there's like a lot of goofy-ass songs on those records. Like, there's a lot of cool songs, but there's like just like a lot of like 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 zany songs. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I think there's still those that exist on his records too. But um, regardless, I you know it's hard to do that argument for me because I like both groups. Well, Pixies, of course, I like quite a bit. But um, so to kind of say one of the other is difficult for me in this moment. But uh, what I will give specific love to is his first record, which was incredible, of course, Frank Black, self-titled, from 93. I would think the second record is even better. It is even better. You are correct. For me, Uh, yeah, like I didn't mean to put down your choice if your choice was the first record. No, no, that's cool. I'm No, I ride hard for that second record, like you're saying. I just want to make sure that the second record, what is this Frank Black Black session? I haven't even heard this. Whoa, yeah. Weird. I'm, I'm catching up to you. Yeah. Anyway, this ninety four, but yeah, what is this black session? Seems to be. It's weird because it's got some stuff from uh, the second record on it. Freedom rocks on it, so it must be. It's like a promo thing. It's yeah, like, maybe a European only promo thing. Yeah. Anyway, France. Okay. We got sidebarred, but the second record, Teenager of the Year, of course, with the smash hit Headache. 
And then actually, Which, uh, Cult of Ray. I like. Well, and I think my one of my favorite singles ever released in the '90s is Men in Black. Men in Black. Yep, I, I beat you to it. Well, we were we said it in unison, but yeah, I saw him on this tour '96. Cult of Ray is indeed an incredible record, beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all pre-Catholic stuff too that we're discussing. It mm-hmm. gets brought up in the interview where the cat. I think it's either you or him that that mentions the Catholics specifically. But uh, the these records, even the ones, yeah, like he has. I think with the Catholics, I think he only did two records, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's the two. Yeah, I think that band backed him up for a longer time than those two records. Could be, but they're not credited at least on these records we're talking about. Yeah. I feel like it was after Cult of Ray that that came about. So I believe I'm I'm just going to guess here that the uh, is backing band changed after 96 or whatever. Uh, I'm just trying to find that. Why can't I find the Catholics separated here on the resource? Weird. Go anyway, to, if you go uh, to, uh, great uh, records. credits and you go through his credits, you'll find it. Ah, uh, okay. The, um, but yeah, so of the first three, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Uh, what would I say is the best of the t- first three? It's hard to mess with the first two. Because they're so good, and they were so it was such a nice thing to see him have records out again. But Call to Ray, you're right. Men in Black, hell of a single. Mm-hmm. And it had the weird, wasn't it on like the X-Files movie too, I feel like, or something silly? They put it on one of those like bad 90s things. Not that X-Files is bad per se, but um, I thought I had some weird association with that. Like they used it on that like show or something like one of those know. weird soundtracks it might have done anyway that. That makes sense but it, it definitely kills will smith's men in black <laughs> true but yeah great records i i feel that these maybe not the first record even the second record so highly underrated but i feel cult of ray is like a massively mm-hmm. underrated record i think the catholics record the first one especially is highly underrated also which is just self-titled frank black and the catholics came out on spin art, but was released in Canada by the lovely Sonic Onion in 98 mm-hmm. and uh, has a hell of a cover on it as well. But uh, yeah, fantastic record. Anyway, I cannot speak highly enough of these Frank Black uh, records. And the Catholics did not just do <laughs> two records. My recollection is terrible. He did ooh, seven records, three, four, seven records. Unbelievable. Ending wow. in 20 – well, I guess it's a live record, so we're not going to count that. So, yeah, he's in and out with them. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six records, six LPs. With the Catholics. Amazing. And they're all with, like with the sick. Catholics. And that, they are great. And even the, la- the last one that isn't the live record, Show Me Your Tears on Cooking Vinyl in 2003, is phenomenal mm-hmm. also. And uh, all of these records are great, and it's kind of crazy that a guy has done this many LPs now that I look at them and I remember the covers. I'm like, oh, yeah. But uh, that first one, I feel, is, is quite special. Uh, they're all great. Anyway, that's my uh, little probably making uh, Dave Martin shake his fist in anger at the uh, at the sky right now. Go on. And also that song, Chinese Fire Drill, is fucking awesome on that Powerball Tugboat record. You said Ball it wrong tugboat, again. Ball tugboat. There you go. Uh, Yes. That record is killer. Ball Hog Tugboat, of course, Mike Watt. I'm trying to find the actual. 
I think we've talked about this before, but that is cool. What I like, I thought that that had such great imagery. Like when it came out, I remember seeing like the promo posters everywhere for it in record stores, at the at the cool record stores, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it came out in '95 on Columbia in America. And yeah, and you, as you say, Chinese fire drill, featuring I believe Frank Black, if I remember correctly, yeah, which I believe he showed on the, yeah. And it was reissued on vinyl, double LP, 180 gram. Can you believe it? In 2016, there you go. But you have an OG, you said. Yeah, like it's on. I don't think it's that expensive. It's like a well, it's like you know, all, all those 90s records go for money now because I guess they're they were not pressed that much for, but like that much for. Sorry, they weren't. <laughs> they didn't press that many of them. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, like I, I got it at a used record store not that long ago, and it was one of my happiest finds ever because this record is, yeah, this was like my Rosetta Stone for getting into music. Like I just was like pouring over this thing, you know, and I'd be like, okay, this guy, like, like look at the pl- like look at the lineup for yeah, this. That's crazy. Credits are nuts. I was just thinking right now. You know how there's that I, – I'm trying to remember if it's – is it six degrees or five degrees from Kevin Bacon, that game? Yeah. Is it six degrees? It's, uh, seven I can't degree. Isn't it seven degrees of Kevin Bacon? Eight degrees I don't Kevin know. Bacon. It's one of those <laughs> one of those things. I used to actually play it all the time uh, on tour, but yeah. I can't remember what the number is anyway. Anyone who understands what I'm saying knows it. But uh, I believe this <laughs> ball hog record could be for like you know whatever, indie, underground music, whatever you want to say. That's this is the Kevin Bacon of that because if you can't eventually trace someone back to this record via whatever five six seven steps, uh, I believe that's probably it's doable. It's got so many people on it, so that's yeah, my there's, observation. There's, I was going to say there's actually a teacher at Holden School and and Dorian School, my kid's school, that plays on this record. <laughs> See, that's my point. It's, uh, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I guess we should move on to uh, another point. It's yours. That was mine. All right. I'm going to get you in. wanted to cut, take that Mike Watt as you, your second point. Well, we could. Yeah, we could. Uh, were you a fan of Firehose at all? Yeah, like I like Firehose. I like. I recall their presence on skate videos. Of course, Mike Watt's specter looms very large, and especially in like '90s skateboarding. But. Uh, yeah. I can't ever claim to be like a giant firehose guy. I always thought like the aesthetic was cool, and uh, I have not listened to the records in a very long time. Only ever really heard things in passing, so I can't uh, can't verify uh, what I felt in the interview was one of the most amazing parts. Which I, are you going to bring up? Uh, what? What? No. What, what was where you bring it up? Well, I think this is a great idea, and it's the needle drop test which I thought was an incredible concept that I don't know why I never thought of before, which is taking whatever record. In this case, he talks about it being Firehose, although I can't remember what record he was saying it, the Firehose record it was, but um, that anywhere you drop the needle randomly, mm-hmm. it's just always always an amazing part. And I never thought of that as criteria for like you know, making a great record. Like like the greatest records are all that, where you drop it at any point, and it's, it's, it's always killer. great. Yeah. I think that's a really, really funny, clever way of, uh, um, whatever, and analyzing a record. Yeah, like he, he, uh, you know, with Firehose in particular, like that's a band that I think it, it's a sound that 
you know, like if it's bombastic, no matter where you listen to it on those records, like maybe it's the last track, I think on the record he mentions even that sounds different. Like everything else is definitely like, it's like the mo it's like a more bass driven min men. <laughs> yeah. That's a, I never thought of that way to say it, but yeah, I remember like very, very vividly that when flying the flannel came out, in 91, there was, like, ads in Thrasher, and, like, burned in my memory. Mm-hmm. So the idea of Firehose synonymous with has always been in my brain since that year, um, which was a while ago now. But, yeah, the uh, – but, yeah, it's, it's funny, actually. I almost um, – uh, a record store I frequent uh, – I can't remember which one. I believe it was actually the first year. Yeah, I think it was Raging Full On. So I almost uh, – took a gamble on, on getting an OG of that, but I just, I don't know. wasn't in the air for me that day. But yeah, yeah. You, that's cool the last track like, on that like, record, I think, that I was, like, digging a lot, <clears throat> which is kind of a different vibe. Yeah. Uh, things could turn around. Um, well, I didn't realize I think Hero that, wrote a lot of stuff on this record. You talking about the first record again? Like, that first yeah. LP? Yeah. Why are you seeing that? I'm just looking it up now. Like, if you go on Let and look... See. Kira wrote lyrics on oh, yeah, like yeah. a bunch of the songs. Hmm. I think she, her and Mike Watt, uh, I believe at the time were married. Um, Kira Rossler, of course, was a uh, a member of uh, of Black Flag, very famously. Also played in Twisted Roots with her brother Paul. And uh, yeah, I believe, no, she was married to Mike Watt. The only the only thing I ever knew was was she not at the time of being in Black Flag also uh, Henry's partner or whatever in those years I believe oh or at least for, for a time. time for a time yeah yeah regardless uh, yes but uh, I did not know of her influence with this record either that's cool yeah very see cool. it's things you learn when when, when browsing the resource at uh, very early hours of the morning <laughs> talking to you <laughs> it's cool to find out though yeah. Too bad we won't remember. Sadly, this, this record, yeah, the median uh, price for this record is not all that dear, which is kind of insane to me. Came out in '86. It's not that expensive. Well, you got to figure they probably pressed, you know. Yeah, I guess thousands. It of these still days. feels like, still feels like it should be yeah. something a little more, whatever. You're right. You're right. They, but, oh, you know, they signed to a, ma- uh, a major for a while too. Or in Columbia. I think that flying the. Flying the flannel record came on a major effort. Yeah, yeah. there we go. That was the first one because it had it had like a weird push. Like I said, I remember like Thrasher doing a big thing on it, and not not to say they wouldn't have on the other records per se. They may have, but I vividly remember that record mm-hmm. getting heavy promotion, at least in that in that uh, whatever sector. It's funny because <clears> the sound <throat> the sound that they played hasn't come back yet. Like into vogue, you know, like. Like, they were huge, right? You're talking about, like, in skateboard, like, you know, with younger people, you know, and you'd think, like, everything else, it would have come back into vogue. But it's almost like it, it that sound just hasn't resurfaced yet. Uh, I can't, I can't disprove you, but I feel like that, that can't be in my brain. It just doesn't feel right. But, yeah, there's nothing I, hmm, trying to think of. Like what's something, something that's popular with like a the... slappy bass sound with that super pushed up to the front? 
I don't know. That's a very good question. But yeah, it seems weird to me that I feel perhaps part of the reason like certain things of, of that Mike Watt it specifically has been on hasn't been aped so heavily is because he's kind of a difficult yeah, it'd be person to like it, yeah, like to imitate on a respectable level where it doesn't either sound like so derivative and and if not, I feel like if you're not doing something that's right on the line, then it just seems like it's going to fail. Yeah. So perhaps that's why not. I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, you're right. I, I don't. I'm trying to real really struggle to think of something <laughs> that that does. But yeah, I can't. Yeah. I, I can't think of anything. You might be right. Um. I don't understand that. Yeah. It's it's uh. I don't know. And I'm sure it will happen someday. But as of yet, I can't. I can't think of someone. But. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm just uh, wrong on that. Maybe there is a band that someone will point out. But, uh, <laughs> yes. Next again, point. Write us. Turn out upon footnotes. Go on. <laughs> yeah, a lot of angry emails. Um, yeah. I guess next point for me I wanted to talk about was I wanted to kind of get into this band Shower of Smegma. Oh, boy. Okay. Jack's friend played in. <laughs> yes, you're gonna have to carry this one. I don't know this band, surprisingly. They are they are on streaming services right now. Sean Wheatley, who is the person that introduced Jack, of course, to Firehose that he mentions, and later would play in the band Mustard, which uh, you can also check out. That that is uh, actually a little bit harder to find. But Shower of Smeg is like available on streaming services. Okay, which is I'm looking up on the resource. I found a record released in 2010. Yep. I'm assuming it's some kind of a reissue is my guess. Yeah, definitely. It's like a reissue of kind of like all their demos. Uh, okay. Uh, and all their uh, various recording sessions that they did. It's got a cool like cool look to it. Yeah. It's on a record label called punkrecords.com, which is a little bizarre to me, but uh, nonetheless interesting. Yeah, and I'm wondering what like – else? What else? Well, that's the thing. It's like, I'm wondering who else these other, like, you know, like, you can find out that this band, like, played with um, uh, played Justice League. You know, they have this whole bio for them right here. But it's, uh, I don't know, like, this is one of the dudes that played in that band that Jack mentions he did for that movie later on. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of sick. So I'm <laughs> like, maybe this band that Jack did is kind of sick. I get what you mean, yeah. The, uh... <laughs> I just realized that label that put this out also put out that Patriots record, like the Guilty Walk Free Land Three. I know that it's a good record, but I don't know why I forgot this bizarre label. I didn't put out too much, but um, put out I don't know, probably twenty twenty albums. But uh, yeah, they I don't know this group. I had issues too. Yeah, they've done a bunch. I remember when. Uh, Friend of friend of us in person and not the show yet, although I hope one day he will be. But Pete, formerly Hits and Misses, I remember him somehow having a connection to the the label, and he provided something for that Patriots reissue. I thought, but there was another connection anyway. Um, but yeah, the Shower Smegmet. Were you aware of them previous to the Jack connection or no? Yeah, I remember when this reissue came out because this label had obviously done a bunch of other reissues. Uh, over the years, I think it was actually this Urban Bandits reissue that they did. That was the first thing that I kind of was. No, no, maybe it was no. It was definitely not that because that was only done recently. Um, but if they had. Oh, maybe it was this. They did the Welcome to Venice comp or something. 
And that's when I kind of got hit the label. And then, yeah, I kind of remember when this came out. I had no idea it would have a Jack Black connection at all. Hmm. Um, but, you know, certainly a band that I was here. interested in at the time. I love the median age of 14 is in the description. Yeah. <laughs> Crossover hardcore punk with metal. Played in the L.A. Hollywood club circuit. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it played a lot of interesting bands, so yeah, I could see them being decent based on who they played with, for sure. It's pretty raging. But yeah, you, I did. You can check it out. I will. I got to get on that. I, I was peaked in the interview, but I just it kind of slipped out of my mind, as most things do. But um, but yeah, it does look amazing. I got to check out this reissue, and because it's on certain streaming services, maybe I'll look there as well. We'll see. No right. Well, the band actually made it up to. 1988 started in 83 and made it to 88 which is a five-year run which is pretty good although weirdly enough never issued any original releases they're on these other than appearances go to their go to the comps and go to that first comp that they're on that the lineup's pretty noise attack noise attack noise attack cassette comp oh yeah lineup is good on this dude it's got like deserter slam veruca the mob yeah um, yep. Mob 47. Yeah. Uh, this is actually like real enemies on this. The this is crazy. It? Hmm. From 85, released in Germany. Noise Attack. Huh. Interesting. But yeah, so they didn't release anything other than comp appearances. Uh, as far as I know, yeah. I don't, and I think they might have a demo from back then. True. I guess the resource isn't doesn't have everything necessarily, so we, no. they, we could there could be a release or two missing here. But that reissue that shows up at least is the only thing that's showing from their actual thing. But yeah, that's kind of wild. Yeah, can't get over so they must have <laughs> played a lot and not released enough. Yeah, you always find the most obscure cassette comps and then you gush over them. And I just think like yeah, to find one of these is going to be difficult. Dude, this one's for sale. I could buy one right now if I. Well, hey. <laughs> I'm not going to do it, but if I could, I could spend, you know, not that much to get this comp. It's right there. The bait putting in my con, my uh, cart. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. I wish someone reissued this thing. This is a sick, sick lineup. It's got like a lot of countries represented. That's the thing about you got to love about this period of hardcore is how international it was, especially at a time when it was really hard to be international. Yeah, I think that's true. I think I think via the whole like whatever like tape trading and other things like that is maybe why, mm-hmm. and because people who were enthusiastic genuinely needed to reach out to other people in order to kind of hear new things or whatever. But yeah, you are. It is true in an era where now it's so easy. I feel like it seemed just as much back then as it does now, and it seems like that shouldn't be. Yeah, based on how difficult it would have been or how much time it would have taken. Yeah, very oh, simply, dude. Go to the third tape they were on. This is All the right, best here. one. <laughs> Compilation appearances of Shower of Smegma. The <laughs> tape you are referring to is what? The compilation known as Stepping Stone to Insanity? Yeah. And let me see here. Cassette comp. <laughs> Funeration. Wretched. Direct action. Is this the direct action? Ours? Yep. Or is yep. this another yep. one? No, that's them. No, that's, that's ours. Wow. Why do you get a little bit further down the list yeah. and see who else is on this? 
SOS, Powerage, Youth Corps, Deformed, Powerage is one of my Infected, favorite Chronic Submission. Nice, Chronic Submission. Yep. How is there so much Toronto on this? This is wild. I know. Uh, scapegoats, cholera, mob forty-seven cholera again from uh, from Brazil. Cholera, pardon me, I, I pronounced that wrong. No, but that's one of my favorites too of all time. Like mob forty-seven, you know, like God, like yeah, everyone's amazing. on this. Exposes orgasm, <laughs> which is always a band name that's made me laugh. <laughs> again, it did. Uh, Negative Earth, sick things. Yeah, it is pretty crazy, and there are only. 40, 50 songs on this. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> in total. Multiple songs by each band. Uh, no less than two. And often three or four. But, yeah, amazing. It does a uh, pretty cool cover, too, actually. Stepping Stone to Insanity World Hardcore Compilation. There you have it. Yeah, it does look pretty amazing. Yeah, kind of like that. that. Two Toronto bands are on this too. Is kind of wild, mm-hmm. and and Damien's favorite first ballot, punk rock Hall of Fame, Wretched, are also on it. And Funeration, they're also early <laughs> ballot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yes, Cool Comp released out of the UK. It says, and it has never been sold on Discogs, which, as we know, is both the most encouraging and discouraging sign of our times. Yeah. I would say more discouraging than encouraging at this point. Yeah, true. I don't know what's encouraging about that as much. I, I think about that back. I, I'm going to erase that one. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not going to find it. You're not going to, especially that. Tapes, pff, forget about it. Well, hey, at, at Robbie Brookside, yo. Yeah, exactly. There you go. I bet you, he, I, I guarantee he had that tape. In fact, I'm going to text him. There we go. This will be the thing now. This will be for next week's uh, yeah. revisiting. But yeah, so Stepping Stone to Insanity Comp UK 85. My bet is he has this. I bet he does That's too. my bet. I bet he does too. Cause he, but uh, let's find out. Yeah, okay. But um, I guess we should move on to the next point. Yeah, sure. Uh, what can we go on next? Well, I guess we could go into Char- the, the deep five about this show. And re-examine oh, yeah, yeah, more but... evidence that's emerged about this photograph in question about sure. whether or not this photograph is, in fact, Jack Black. Okay, let's do that. So we received a message with regards to this, and we received a couple, actually, but they both work hand-in-hand. Hand. I'm just trying to find the first one, which is from Sid G., and he writes, I can't help but wonder if that photo was from the No Control at the Country Club live show. It was taped at the Reseda, uh, is it County? I think he just, anyway, Country Club in 1998. Mm-hmm. I could imagine Jack going to see Bad Religion. Maybe not instead Carrie Nation or Visual Discrimination. The dude next to Jack Black in the Judge shirt is Randy Johnson, he writes. From pushed aside against the wall, drift again and ignite. Mm-hmm. And he ends the message here by just recounting that at the time when he was young from that era, having a visual discrimination shirt, which just had VD on it. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> which is also slang for venereal disease. And he was ridiculed uh, at that age by uh, family members and what have you, other older people. And why would they make a shirt like that? He included the actual image of the original shirt too. It looks kind of sick. Uh, and also of course, 
writes saying that he would like to see uh, Big Frank Harrison, yes. who ran Nemesis, interviewed on the podcast, which, of course, I would imagine, Damien, you would love to do. I would definitely. You know, everyone, I think, knows my thoughts on the great Nemesis Records as one of the great yep. labels. And, and, and he's come up a couple times now as being you know, kind of pivotal to the journeys of, of people that have been on the show. So, yeah, there'll be a lot of cool stuff to talk to him about. So hopefully one day. That's the thing about the show. I keep I don't have any plan on stopping it ever because there's a lot more people to talk to. Yeah, the uh, there's another message here. I just want to make sure there's nothing that wasn't covered in that first one. But basically both sent the flyer for this uh, show, which we should have Tristan put up on the Facebook. Mm-hmm, definitely. But uh, basically the, the person says that they don't suspect that visual discrimination when we're headlining a show. It's a larger venue. Maybe yep. his memory is jogged and it was the Bad Religion gig. Um, what else? We're going to yeah, have to have Jack everything. on again to ask him if it was visual discrimination. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the uh, whatchamacallit, the um, flyer for this is kind of funny because it uses the instead uh, LP art as the background. And then it has Bad Religion, instead visual discrimination and carry nation. Just quite the lineup, really, actually. Oh, it's an amazing lineup. Um, and it, it makes sense that Jack would have been there. You know, like the bad religion thing is, you know, that could have been him. That's true. I like that people have, like, found the flyer likely for, regardless of him being in the photo or not, although I do believe maybe it's him now. But uh, they've traced back the photo to the flyer. I know. <laughs> I think that's that's clever sleuthing. But, yeah, it's... Uh, the flyer looks cool either way, yeah. So it says it was in December 23rd. I don't know what year. 89, it seems like. So, yeah, there we go. So we've, we've got a little more proof of perhaps the situation. This might jog his memory, hopefully, if you ever speak to him again to uh, get to the bottom of this. Well, yeah, because he told us, uh, you know, he's going to come on in three years. So um, if I don't <laughs> – so please remind me in three years to not forget, A, to interview him. B to bring this up. Uh, of course. Well, I don't think you'll forget. Do you agree with me, Chris, that Tenacious D is one of the great punk supergroups of our time? <laughs> uh, I never thought of them in those terms before. Uh, as per usual, it's very hard to dismiss your arguments, even if my gut instinct is to disagree with you. <laughs> but So well, that's my assessment. We, we definitely have to agree that the Foo Fighters, maybe not musically... <laughs> But roster-wise, are the greatest hardcore band supergroup of all time. You know, I'm trying to think. It's it's very difficult to disprove this again off the top of my head. But yeah, you you have, you Southern, have enough connections there. Yeah, you have Southern California pop punk represented, the Epifat sound, um, and also uh, kind of Rat Pack, which kind of is like a mystic vibe. Pacific Northwest. Yeah, Pacific Northwest is represented there yeah. in the form of. You know, like the guy that was in the greatest straight edge band of all time. Um, and if, <laughs> if you count the original drummer, you've got someone who played in a bunch of other Pacific Northwest kind of hardcore bands, too. And then you have Dave Grohl. You know, like, granted, he was not in the best lineup of Scream, but played in Dane Bramage and Mission Impossible. <laughs> and and uh, and then you got a germ. A fucking germ. Yeah, that's true. The only correct have to make that you just wrote about is or said sorry the 
Nate didn't play an SSD. Didn't play in the Great Edge Band to ever exist. Just uh, as a correction. I think there was probably more Straight Edge <laughs> members definitely in Brotherhood than in SSD. <laughs> That wasn't my that wasn't my uh, comment. My comment was <laughs> straight edge band, as as it is remembered in the histories of time. Well, okay, as it's remembered in the history. Not to throw not to throw any shade at brother brotherhood brotherhood are incredible. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. Anyway, yes, your argument is excellent. I don't. I can't think of anything to disprove it. Um. So yeah, Chris, can you come up with any punk supergroups better uh, roster wise than the Foo Fighters? Not offhand, I can't. So that is a, a fair assessment. I, I am going to again put this to our listeners if they can think of any with as much and or better connections than than the Foo Fighters. Yeah, I don't have any. Um, it doesn't have to be musically too, because we can establish that it doesn't have to have be any. Difficult. Yes, we're not discussing the sonic template of the Foo Fighters as being uh, even Jason, as far as I'm concerned. But yes. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, membership wise, it's difficult. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's got a lot of pedigree in those members for sure. Yeah. Like I think, I don't know. You might, you might have an argument with like an early lineup of like, uh, I'm trying to think Sam Hain, maybe it wasn't there like some yeah, crazy lineup sure. with that where they had like some like insane people from every band. But I think your, your argument works because it's the idea of taking like, the Foo Fighters, which are not sort of of quote unquote punk, hardcore, whatever, clearly, mm-hmm. and and because of that, it makes it more interesting. Whereas like Sam Hain is, you know, rooted in it; it's not detached from it. Maybe like even arguably the first like whatever lineups of Danzig. I can't I can't remember who's in the band, but um, yeah, you're right. I can't think of. Trying to think, I'm trying to think of like a big metal band with enough connections that might disprove that. Oh, yeah, but, um, but I don't I, think there is. Like where every member was in like a killer punk hardcore band. Yeah, even that stuff. You're right. Like but every it, member. Hopefully it'll come. Yeah, you're right. Um, in that first lineup, because I don't think Taylor. You know what? Like you know, now that this Jack Black thing's come out, you know, I, I wonder if I should go back and. Well, no, I would definitely love to interview Taylor, but like, I wonder if he does have a punk past that I just never got to, you know? <clears throat> yeah, who knows? That would be interesting. Yeah, one day. One day, Chris. Keep making this goddamn podcast, and one day we'll get to it. <laughs> of course. Uh, I guess. Right. I guess also, did you know, have you heard about this red blood cells thing? Red blood cells, the, which is the, or, no, no, actually, sorry, that was crazy. Yeah, red the, stripes. The red yeah, the red stripes. Sorry, because that that the red blood cells, I believe, or no, it's white blood cells is the record, I think. But um, no, I thought that was insanely clever, though. I'd never heard tell of that. Yeah, like until he just, it was mentioned. Yeah, he just got the. I guess he just got like in his hat that, or you know, there should be a bass on this record that he could really do with a bass track. <laughs> so he took it in the studio and cut a bass track for it, and it's sick. The the idea to. Like, okay, so for the people, I'm assuming everyone has listened to the main interview, but for those who haven't, to give context, this is, again, it's, what's his name? Stephen McDonald from, from Red Cross, right, who yeah. did this? Yeah. So, and it's, what record is it? Is it the White 
blood cells record? Yeah, I think that was the big one, right? It was the first big one. Oh, no, no, no. Maybe it's elephant? But either way, I don't no, know. No, it was before elephant. One of these whites... One of these white stress records, it's either, I'm going to guess, white, white blood cells or elephant. Someone can, can correct us again. Feel free to write in. But um, one of these big records, he went in and, of course, the White Stripes are a two-piece band that do not have a bass player. So he cut bass. He went, <laughs> went in and overdubbed bass over the whole whatever record this is and called it Red Stripes, which I think is also an insanely clever idea yeah. and name uh, and actually what's funny about this is I think that's something that would be hilarious and like kind of interesting if like uh, um, whatchamacallit we called it red blood actually... cells sorry you didn't call it even red stripes you called it red blood cells and dude oh, he, he, did. he even airbrushed himself into the cover art for the record where is this is it on the resource yeah if, no it's on the if you go to the uh, if you go to redcross.com but if you just google Red with the two D's, obviously, because Red Cross blood cells. It'll come up. Okay, let me see here. I'm I'm completely intrigued now. I listened to this first in transit, so I didn't have the time to actually look it up, like the meaning. So it's the first time. Oh wow! Yeah, it is. It's amazing. It's too bad he actually didn't call it Red Stripes, though. I think that'd be hilarious. I think too, it'd be cool too. But like, they, I don't know why. You know, because now it's like, oh, you can no longer hear this. It's gone forever. I really wish they would, you know, Third Man would put this out on vinyl. I agree. This totally, for me, is some, is, should be like one of these bizarre, weird, like, you know, arguably novelty, but still kind of like interesting, weird, rare records. Yeah. Although I'm sure, you know, maybe some of it is tied up in the idea that rights are, you know, whatever owed to people or I don't know, however you want to say it. But I think Jack um, Black. Oh, no, it says. Yeah. He owns all the rights. It says the bottom. No, but it says at the bottom of this post, there's a post on redcross.com features RBC, uh, the URL, backslash features, backslash RBC, backslash. Anyway, it says thank you to the White Stripes for supporting this project. Mm-hmm. So it appears that they're aware. Well, I'm sure and, they would have been uh, like, yeah. are you telling me there's 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 no way that, uh, you know, th- they weren't they weren't down with the guy from, you know, like that's the thing. It's like Steve McDonald. We never did the Steve. We didn't have footnotes back when Steve McDonald was on this podcast. But you know, true. Arguably one of the coolest people ever. You know, legit. Like playing with Black Flag well, at eleven fucking years old. <laughs> well, I was gonna say like I love his interview. I've never met him. Like obviously you've met him and you've spoken to him. Obviously, but uh, yeah, I was. I think he's an incredibly interesting guy. I think his interview is incredible that he did. So yeah, he's gonna be a hard, hard one to top. Like but, he, uh, he he produced a Beck record and a Turbo record. What's know? that? Sorry, Conti- I, I missed that last bit. He what produced were you a Beck record. A Beck record? A, he produced a Beck record and a Turbo Negro record. Which Turbo record did he produce? Uh, Scandinavian leather. I'm gonna look this up right now. <coughs> I'm gonna look it up right now. I think it's Scandinavian Light. his production credits. Yeah. He's done a lot of cool stuff. He's produced a lot of interesting records. All right. Let's see here. Let's see what production credits he has. And he produced the Donnas. Wow. 
get skin tight. Didn't wow. know that. I didn't know that. Very, that very cool. Well, actually, I did know that because he's got yeah. he's got some stories about that session, not about them being bad or anything, but just them having to deal with not so great situations with the people that were kind of surrounding them at the time. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, he produced Party Animals from yeah, Party 2005. Animals, That's it. Yeah, which has perhaps the last Turbo song ever released on it. But yeah. Um, and released at the time by Abacus Recordings, previous friend of the podcast, one only Ray Harkins released that initially. I had no idea. So two connections. Two connections from two previous friends. Wow. And of course, Burning Heart in Europe released it at the time as well. But in North America, rather. Which was via... Like I said, Ray. Uh, but yeah, <coughs> did not know that. Interesting. I didn't realize that also he Very played in, cool. in the Tater Tots, which is another Don't know that one. kind of like L.A. punk uh, supergroup of sorts. Nice. With a crazy lineup of people as well. But yeah, like he is, he is someone who... God, like the Steve McDonald footnote would be a, a cool one for us to go back and try and do. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe uh, that would require you and uh, it would require like the Daves for sure. And we could have a whole ensemble cast for that one. Yeah. I would probably get Steve back on for it. Steve is one of my favorite <laughs> people be... in the whole world. Like cause I, every time I see that guy, he's so supportive and just like such a like, you know, you're just like, God damn it, dude. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. He came out to my stupid wrestling podcast in LA. He doesn't even like wrestling. Like recently did that? Yeah. Just like, like the last time you were there? Yeah. He just like came wow. out. He's like, hey man, I just wanted to come and see the live podcast. I'm like, damn. Nice. Dude, what a guy. <laughs> there you go. Um Well But Talking Point, damn. my friend. But yes, Steve McDonald, the man. Just going through his his uh, production credits now. That's pretty interesting stuff on there. Imperial Teen. Yeah. yeah he did some. He's on some cool stuff. And he played. He played what, with um, Beck too for a while, I think. Oh, cool. So, oh, he did the fun yeah. record too. He did some stuff for that band, Fun. Did some stuff for Panic at the Disco? Crazy. I missed those. Why did I miss these? It's on the second page of his production credits. I only did the first page. There we go. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're right. He'd be fun okay. to record well, because I think you have so many good stories. You should do it, my friend. I should hit him up. To to record, you know, the imaginary bands that go on, on in my head. <laughs> <laughs> like well, you, else. you do have a. <laughs> I don't. It's funny that you brush shoulders with all these people or whatever, and yet none of these like like. I'm kind of amazed that that never came about the idea of him doing a fucked up record, for example. What? In what? In, sadomasochistic <laughs> human being would ever sign up for something that brutal. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> uh, I would, I would love to record with them sometime, but you know, something that doesn't require, uh, 
you know, years of therapy after for the person that recorded it. <laughs> Not touching that one. This is all you. <laughs> all right. I guess we should move on to uh, another point. All right. I want to bring this up. I'll, I'll take the point, and it's uh, it's going to be sort of pointless me bringing it up because I don't have a lot to offer on the point, but I feel like it needs to be mentioned. Yes. And I'd like to hear your thoughts because you and I have never discussed this group, um, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on them and if you know sort of anything you want to impart on the listeners. But it is um, Jack's immense appreciation for the meat puppets yeah. that's expressed in this episode. And I think this is another one of those groups that – uh, gets sort of like weird, like minimal mentions in uh, whatever regarding underground music or whatever. But seemingly the people that are really into this group are really, really into them. Uh, admittedly, not you know, not that I, I have no nothing against them. I just never ever got into the Meat Puppets, so I don't really have any offer of substance. But what are your thoughts, my friend? It's funny because you both, you know, Dave also uh, David up mentioned this in his email. Um, that they don't get a lot of love. And I was thinking maybe I'm just in different kind of like circles, like, you know, when it comes to like talking about me puppets, but I've thought, you know, I think they're one of those bands that, you know, especially cause the Nirvana covers are put on a, a pedestal when it comes to indie rock or like, you know, whatever type of rock. Maybe like, I think that that elevated them in name, but I I'm with, Whichever Dave mentioned it, was it Martin or was it David Up? David Up. That mentioned that. David Up mentioned it. I'm kind of with it. I just think like they're another one of those groups that my observation is that I don't know the records. I know them to see some of the covers, but I, you know, I couldn't really tell you anything about them. And, you know, I'm vaguely aware of the group have been since, you know, whatever, the Mm nineties. And, but yeah, I've just somehow never, ever, you know, that too high to die record is one it burned in my memory as far as the look of it. I always remember this poster or whatever for it, but um, which was a major label record. I wasn't aware. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. London Records '94, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like they're just a group. I never, I've never ever been, you know, whatever. Um, struggling for words. Never been intrigued enough to dive in and actually try to check out like a full record, but. Um, but I've heard the numerous people. It's like for me, there's groups like this. Weird enough, like um, what was the other one we talked about earlier on the show? You were mentioning one earlier. A fire hose. And I, yeah, sorry, them fire hose. Husker do, Husker do, however you want to pronounce it. Um, to varying levels, of course, you know, Husker do is kind of a big one, but you know, all of these groups are ones that are not quite my wheelhouse sonically. Um, I never, they weren't my thing as much, mm-hmm. but when you encounter the people that like, usually one of these tend to like all of them, I find. And like, if not like all of them, they're definitely like a major fan of one of them big time. I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fire hose fan. If I was being honest, like I'm more of a Minutemen fan. I'm definitely a fucking massive Mike Watt fan and yeah. stuff like, but fire hose isn't like as much my thing, but the meat puppets, I think like. Me Puppets 2 might be one of the best records to come out of that era. And to me, it's like kind of like a more Neil Youngy Dead Moon. I don't know. That doesn't, might not be apt at all. Yeah. But they are 
it's, that sounds – I haven't heard this record, but I'm going to say that sounds exactly right. <laughs> and, and But this record's got like it, – dude, this record's like unbelievable. Like it's I, – I really think you should try and just like sit down and listen to it one time and see. Yeah, I will. Well, I think vibe-wise, like I look at the cover, I'm like, this looks amazing. Lake of Fire, obviously I'm familiar with the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it just it's, – it's one of those things where – this is the kind of group where I I often go like I wish somehow it feels like life is much too short all the time and I wish I had time to just dive into these records yeah. or go back and like like take take a time machine and like ignore X you know like five or ten records I ever got into at a certain point in time that I wasn't too huge on and, and I spent more time on something like a record like this mm-hmm. so I feel vibe wise although I would imagine they're roughly the same age. The funniest part about this cover is I feel like this cover looked like like could be a strip cover or something, and so it's it's got that same sort of summoning that same uh, aesthetic, which I like immediately. Yeah, it's like um, this record. Of course, is, I don't know. It's just like the scope of this record's so good, it looks so big. Yeah, cool. I'm gonna check it out for sure. Like that cover again. I know, but do not know this record. Um, and the first single's is great too. <clears throat> In a car, yeah. At the, in a car from '81. Uh, the label that put this out, World Imitation. Yeah. Huh. It's um. It nice. was like a little label, I guess, from Arizona. Um, this, put out the Monitor record. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. A bunch of Monitor records. I think it was the Monitor yeah, people that did it. Um. But this is uh anyway, weird. Yeah, like definitely a record that's not that expensive, uh, especially compared to a first press of the L- of Meat Men Two or something. But certainly worth picking up um, if you're a fan cool. of the band. Which anyway, I, I just thought it, it deserved it deserved mentioning. Yeah, they're definitely a band I need to go back and really revisit. Every time I thumb through like digging. I the times I have hit the Huevos record released in '87 on SST, I immediately always think it's some bizarre Huevos Rancheros record for like yeah. two milliseconds, and then I realize it's not a Huevos Rancheros record. Anyway, I feel the exact same way. Little tidbit. Yeah, because it looks like it should be too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll, even I'll, though it predates. Were you a Vandals fan growing up, Chris? Again, a little bit. I knew the what is that record called? The diarrhea record, Lift whatever it's called. Diarrhea. Lift, Lift diarrhea. I knew that one. Um, I believe maybe. Let me just look up on the resource here. Is that the dumbest album title ever? Sorry, dumb's not it a is, very good actually, word to use. But like, is that like the? It's just like not. It's a kind good of brilliant word. though. <laughs> brilliant. It's kind of brilliant. Like it's it's dumb, but it's also kind of brilliant. I remember the first time I heard it, I was like. This is stupid, but you know, but all their titles are like that. Like Hitler Bad Vandals Good is definitely a very apt <laughs> Vandals <laughs> record title. Um and probably the last one I um, I remember. Um Did you have the Christmas record here. with Christmas time for my penis? Oh no no. <laughs> no. I don't own any Vandals records. No. Um although Peace Through Vandalism is it is enticing based on the cover art, but I've never owned that. Um, I'm trying to see here. Yeah, no. 
Yeah, like Fear of a Punk Canada is also a great. I don't know, great. Like they have, they're they've always been clever enough for me. I've no, I've always uh, admired them to a certain degree, but yeah, never really gotten into them proper for sure. Another group yet again. Oddly enough, all of the hallmarks <laughs> of Jack Black's uh, punk rock trajectory have never been ones <laughs> that have been like my big ones. Go figure. Yeah, you were never a Descendants guy either, right? Yeah, a little bit. Same deal. Like, you know, of course I know the classic Descendant stuff, but no, not really. And uh, yeah, exactly. It's funny. That's the other big group he mentions. Yeah. But, you know, it's like I'm cool with it all. It's just, yeah, it's not one um, that I've been big on. But yeah, Descendants-wise, or sorry, Vandals-wise, pardon me, what did you want to uh, bring up in reference to the Vandals other than the fact that I'm not into them? <laughs> uh, no, I no, I just wanted to kind of see what you what your take on this band was because they're like a very interesting band, you know, a controversial band. If you get into the some of the what the old members say, you know, because it's, it's a band that has two very different lineups from that first record that came out in '82 and then that record that came out in '85. See, I don't know anything about the the actual lineup changes either, but the I've always had this weird um, – it's kind of funny you say that because in the back of my head, maybe I did a little bit reading it somewhere once and I forgot, but it's still – a kernel has been there. But the idea of – I always link them weirdly enough with the queers somewhere in my brain. And I don't know mm-hmm. why that is. Maybe because they both have these like absurd you know, titles and stuff. Having said that, I, I, I love the queers. But uh, I don't know. Is that is it the same kind of situation as that or is it – what is the line of difference? No, it's 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 just Joe Escalante. That's the only member that carries oh, on. Okay. And ah. uh, there, you can if you're if you're inclined, it's definitely worth a Google to kind of see uh you know what different members have said, but it's the drummer that carries on. Weird. Okay. I don't know why I wasn't aware of that, but anyway. And then like, you know, then they have that record uh when in Rome, do as the Vandals, yeah, which uh, is where they have you know the lineup that I think begins to form that we're all more familiar with. Gotcha, yeah, from '85. Well, I guess they still have Steve on vocals at this point. Maybe it's the next record where, because eventually Warren joins the band. Yeah, I don't know. I just <laughs> it's funny. They're they're definitely for me. They're a group in title that I think people know more than their records if I had to take a stab at it. But it's crazy when I look how many LPs they have. Oh, I would have not thought they had this many. That's nuts. Yeah. Uh, maybe four or five, maybe. It's like, nope. <laughs> like double that. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know these, these, a lot of these records other than like I said I knew that the diarrhea one or whatever and I remember I remember the quickening and I remember thinking the quickening just seemed like such a strange uh, when it came out it, it seemed like a weird like of all the things they ever did that that just seemed like a bizarre choice like it, it's like it was missing a pun or something yeah maybe there is a yeah. pun there that I'm missing but it just seemed like yeah where's the absurd title like what do you drop the ball on this one are you guys trying to go serious and then nope, nope. <laughs> next release and back to it. Nope. I, so, I have so I many know, of those just... songs stuck in my head forever because I had that CD <laughs> in like a CD Walkman. And, uh, I remember listening to that record <laughs> just like one time and getting in, in a delay in the subway 
Just like listen to it over and over. So so many songs are still stuck in my fucking head. I feel like the art direction on the quickening is probably the some of the best examples of the worst of the nineties. Yep, I would aesthetically. Agree. I would agree. It is it is actually shocking. It's I'm just looking at it now going, Oh boy. Yeah. It's got every thing. Go on. We watched the shuttle launch, read J D Salinger. I know a teacher that I wish was on the Challenger. How did this loser get this job? <laughs> oh, to laugh at that in 2018. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. It's like, this record is, is there's like lit record. This, and believe me, that is not the most offensive song on this record. No. Are I some, can tell by the titles there's some wild stuff on it. Yep. Dude, like this record, if this came out now with these lyrics, it's like, oh my God. Please tell me the aging orange track is directed at the the punk band though. I got the California pom pom hair and I wrote one hit and that was almost twenty years ago. Keep trying to get <laughs> the, thing, thing the fact there. that you can the fact that you can recite the lyrics is pretty amazing. Yep. Yeah, because I invented socks and I invented gravy. I invented the cotton gin, but no one ever paid me. Um, but it's like yeah, it's a diss on Agent Orange because they sued the Offspring for saying that the Offspring had stolen all their riffs. Wow. Yeah. I was not aware of that. Yeah. What happened with that? Do we know what happened with that? Oh, I'm trying to remember how that lawsuit worked out. What was the outcome? That's crazy. Which also, as a point of reference for listeners who may not be aware, but this was released by Nitro. And Nitro was not, wasn't it the label run by what's his face from the Osprey? Yeah, Dexter. Dexter from the Osprey, who released this panel's record. So a bit of beef on wax there, yep, as it were. Throwing it down. Throwing it down. Throwing it down. That was the get off the air of 96, I guess. Yeah. Um, in a weird way. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, the quickening. Did anyone ever think that there'd be this much discussion about the quickening by the Vandals in 2018? It's amazing how, like, you know, like, because I would have thought the 90s, you know, were a single kind of era the early nineties, but the Vandals didn't do a single from 85 until 96. Really? The next one's mid nineties. Yeah. Wow. No, that's not true. There's one in 85. Oh no. Sorry. You said that, right? Yeah. 85, 82, 96. 85, and then 96. Yeah. And, and the 96 one. one is, it is a split with assorted jelly beans. Yeah. That was the return. Yeah. On Kung Fu records. Yeah. Which is their label. Weird. Huh. I never knew that. I remember hearing that, whatever, the, the label name, but I didn't know it was theirs. Mm-hmm. It, it's, I think well, it was Joe's, the drummers. Um, gotcha. I recently did pick up this Vandals Longfellow, Judy is a Punk, something to do in Union, New Jersey split, where Vandals does <laughs> Ramon's covers. Let me guess, uh, it was not terribly expensive. Uh, if I said that it was in the dollar bin, I would be telling the truth. <laughs> but it goes for like that, although on, the, it, on the cog, so maybe that was a good find. Yeah, it looks also like a 90s record, but in a totally different way than The Quickening does. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Definitely makes sense. It, it's got a cover. Like it looks like a flyer from the 90s, whereas like The Quickening looks like you know, a professional whatever release yeah like it looks like something that like someone who had read ray gun magazine would have done 
That's <laughs> very true. That is a great observation. And only losers like me would get that. <laughs> That's why I love people out there. <laughs> That's why I love doing I, this. I Chris. still have I still have no joke. I definitely have at least one ray gun behind me. I wish and, I did. Uh, I almost I almost want to pull it out to because it's so true. Like the offensive, like blatant graph design oh. wanking in that magazine was incredible. It was like Steve Vai level tar version yes, of was. like visual graph designers. So bad. Like so bad. So like, it was I don't know who they let get away with that, but wow. Yeah. It was it was just like well that was the era of like just like hyper design. Like just before yeah. like every single person you met became a graphic designer. <laughs> yep. And computers and made that stuff easy, right? So the people that were early to the computer game were like all of a sudden like the kings of graphic design. Yep. Ray Gun. Wow. That was a great reference. That was well worth being up at this hour for this much. <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think I'm so gonna true. I don't think I'm gonna top that myself, but uh is there any other points no. you wanted to get to, Chris? Uh, I think we kind of touched on all of them. I mean, I wish I could have offered some some more myself on some of these points, like regarding the groups I never have delved into enough, admittedly. Um, there was one thing I thought we should touch on because I hadn't seen it, and I can't remember in the interview if you mentioned having seen it, but that Descendants documentary, which is called Filmage. I know, I, believe. I still you haven't mentioned- seen it. Tristan owns it, too. And keeps saying you gotta yeah. come over and watch it, and so I, I I will see it because, yeah. And I can only imagine how awkward that exchange with Bill Stevenson that he's describing was, given how some exchanges <laughs> Bill Stevenson and I have have gone. <laughs> well, what's very funny is I have also had exchanges with Bill Stevenson. Mine have been completely opposite of both of yours. So um, he's yeah, a, no, I don't know. And I, and I, I, although sorry, go on. Go on, no, no, go. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say, like, I've definitely had amazing experiences with Bill. Like, Bill's a great, you know, like, like a legend, like, like legit, a legend, legend. Yes. Um, but he also, if he wants, can make a situation awkward for you. <laughs> he would he'd, like my again. My experience was different because it was just via other band endeavors. I don't know if it was just that group he was in at the time or whatever with the. Uh, Zach in it and what have you, but yeah, it was just different. He had a very, very like fatherly feel to her, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I have a different uh, experience. But um, anyway, filmage. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, wow, it came out twenty fourteen. That's bad that I had this long. Even though, as as explained earlier, I'm not a giant. Or twenty thirteen actually came out. But I've always been curious to see it because I feel like these are the things that would make me have a greater appreciation at times. Again, not that I don't like the Descendants. I've just never been a big guy for their music, so to speak. Um, yeah, anyway, just thought we should shout that out. I don't really know what we offer other than me saying the title, but go on. Um, and I think the only thing we should maybe uh, touch on would be briefly uh, getting into something with um – Jack Black's uh, band that he mentions. Sure. What do you want to go on with that? Um, just, uh, I got to hear this recording. Yeah, you had brought this up to me. I'm not aware of the film or the, the song offhand, but um, I don't know. I'm curious. 
I find it interesting that it seems to be that he he has the the songs or whatever. Like when you bring it up, yep. doesn't he basically say he'll trade you for? Do you, by the way, sidebar? Do you have your in trouble recordings? Uh, I would be lying if I said I didn't have a recording of you're in trouble or two. Because <laughs> um, anyway, I'm just laughing when he wanted to I, trade I, you. Actually, I, I say that right now. And in, in front of me, there is the you're in trouble four track 1995 recording, which features uh, Journey to the End of the East Bay cover. Church of the Sexual <laughs> Deviants is the name of the song. And Down and wow. Out on the Floor is the name of the song. This is probably like... This is probably the worst music ever committed to tape. Right here, what you're hearing. But, like, thankfully, thankfully, I'm the archivist. So, you know, that will be safely here forever. Whereas these two tapes, these two tapes one day might get a reissue or a bootleg, as some people like to call them. And that would be the As One demo and the Board of Education <laughs> <Nice>. demo. <laughs> ah, have you ever heard I don't have either. I tried to get that last one. No, I tried to get it off Sandy, and she had sold it out from under my grip just moments earlier I, at a, uh, a punk rock flea market, as, as it were, some years ago. Well, it's uh, Board of Education. Real punks wear their safety pins through their testicles. Now, this is... The first lineup of uh, Career Suicide. Yes. Um, which which is Jonah and Martin, like, way before they would wind up being in Career Suicide. Like, it, Career Suicide started with a completely different lineup of people before these guys would find their way into it. Um, but they there are some insane songs on this. <laughs> put that safely back in the vault for now. Yeah, tried to get it. Tried to get it. As one, of course. You As one was a on much better name than Scare Tactic. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Scare Tactic is a pretty good name. I, I don't have a problem with that. No, I like Scare Tactic better, actually. Really? I like As One. As One! Well, the, the, obviously the name is a great nod, but I just mean like Scare Tactic is a pretty good name, actually. I think it's... Uh, I back that as a name. I just don't. I think like the seven inch doesn't live up to what I would imagine the band was like, or maybe it does. I don't know. Uh, Chris, have you ever seen the fuck Jonah tape? Yeah, I have it. Isn't that, that might be some of the worst art ever. <laughs> it's pretty, it's so fucking bad. I remember being quite, quite juvenile, but the only thing I add is that it's like I believe it's like a fluorescent cover. Yeah, the so art is it like a fluorescent paper. The I art, think. yeah, for this like it's kind been of, a while since I looked at. It. I have them packed away. Well, you should take a look at it next time because it makes it look like a demo for like uh, a Trouble Charger ripoff band that would be given to you at a battle of the bands. What's super funny about this is someone has put this on the resource. Believe it or not, fuck Jonas. So on the you resource? can look. You can look this up. I can't believe it. I just thought I'm going to look it up just for, just to see. And of course, it is here. You are correct, and it is bright yellow. But I think I feel like mine's a bright green. But maybe I just have a bad memory of it. And uh, Who has and it the has time? all of it has the songs, but it has a one to seven, and it has them all untitled. And then someone actually not too long ago, January 2017, 
I guess a little while ago now, but anyway. And uh, they're asking for the track names. Please let them know. I've been looking for them. Hmm. So there you go. Two have, one want. That's 50% people. Oh, it doesn't there even have go. any connection two, to, like, to career suicide? No, it doesn't have anything. No, but we can fix that. Oh, and uh, so if you want to to look on the resource for fuck Jonah. It's there folks. Enjoy. And the career suicide discogs also doesn't have any of their tapes. None of them. No, I haven't looked that one up. No, career suicide one has none of their uh, demos. I think there's just the <laughs> That's two. Bizarre. I don't have like the original one or whatever. If there is, I, although I've heard that the original one is bad, or no, yeah. the original one's very good. No, it's not. original one's very good. No, it's not. No, the original one's not very good. That was like before Martin started having vocals. So he's just like they didn't have. Yeah, you're right. They don't have any on here. That is weird. I have this weird like promo tape thing they did for. I think it was before attempted suicide, or maybe just after. Anyway. What's on that? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on a hot take here and say the best thing that they ever did recorded was "Invisible Eyes" on Feral Ward, 2005. Career no. Suicide. You heard it here first. No, SARS. 100. percent That's SARS single. Like that's favorite. Like a, no. That's like a, a trans- SARS is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's a transcendent it moment. It is. But but uh, "Invisible Eyes" is the best thing they ever did, in my humble opinion. Um. Anyway. I don't know how we got off on this topic here. Where, what what do we start on? Oh, we were talking about <laughs> you're in trouble recordings, and that got us. Oh, there we go. There we go. Fuck Jonah recordings and stuff. There uh, we go. I just love that it's on the resource. It's amazing. It's, a, it's awesome. I wonder, are the Mad Men demos on the resource? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm going to look the up Sox here. Sox is on the resource, so yeah, it's probably Mad Men is definitely on the resource. Oh, the Weirdly are, enough, though, the, yeah. the tape came out in Europe. A, a demo, yeah. Official, yeah. Oh, weird. And from 2010. Wow. It's funny that how old, like, it's not old, but, you know, 18 years ago, now, that's wild. Yeah. Crazy. And I recently just scored that Crankin' to Sonic Youth cassette from the one and only Ben Cook. Shout out. Um, so I'm happy to have acquired that as well. Oh, I don't even know if I have that. Well, love bizarre demos. They're great. And if anyone has an OG F Mutations demo, which I think originally came out as a cassette, if I'm not mistaken. What, what are you looking for? Which one? The original Death Mutations demo tape. Oh. I have the 7-inch, but if anyone has that from 08, again, turnoutapunkfootnotes at gmail.com. Wow. There's some have sold on here. Impressive. But yeah, another cool, uh, weird, bizarro, Jonah fucked up related thingy or whatever. I don't even have I don't that. know how... I don't have that. I have the the seven inch reissue thing, but I don't have the other one. Oh, um, yeah, okay. I don't know. Anyway, go on. Sorry. You probably do. I can't see you not having this stuff. I don't have the as one, so there you go. You can you can humble brag about that right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not, maybe not Jonah's highest watermark. <laughs> anyway, go on. What do you what do you want to touch on here? Oh, uh, that's uh, it. I think I we're think exhausted. I'm good. I'm exhausted. All right. I meant we're exhausting the topic, but yes, as well. Okay, I'm exhausted too. (laughs) Uh, Is that anything else you want to talk about? 
No, I think we covered it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Let me just look over one more time to make sure there's nothing that we're missing. Yeah, nothing I think that we couldn't get to in little tidbits here and there. I think the main ones we've touched on. Awesome. So I, I, I'm good with it, unless you can think of anything I'm else. I'm good too, buddy. All right. All right. Uh, everyone, once again, find me on social media, at Lefford Damien. Uh, Chris, how do they get in touch with us here? Turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. And that is it, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to the show. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.